0: Hello and welcome to Ominous Day 13 of the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Tim Clare's 100 Day Writing Challenge, TM Copyright Anno Domini 2020, No Baxies. What kind of writer do you want to be? What kind of stories do you want to write? It's funny to me that these are questions I almost never hear asked, either in workshops or to professional authors, and I can see why on one level someone might resist them. They seem to be talking about static traits, like you have to pick a type of writer or a genre of stories, and that's you forever you know like it's like being a, a type of pokemon i'm going to be a poison type writer i'm going to be a fairy type writer and for some of us and i include myself in this we feel a bit silly contemplating big top-down questions like this as if it's a choice you know like it's a bit pretentious no writer ever wants to be a, everyone writes desperate to not be seen as pretentious but it seems to me To be far from being a a sort of act of vanity or conceptual posturing, just an eminently sensible question to devote at least a few minutes considering. If you're going to put all this time into writing, you might as well swing for the fences. I, I don't know who told you that there's this category of the greats like Shakespeare, Dickens, Ursula Le Guin, Maya Angelou, Tolkien, J.K. Rowling, whoever it is for you that makes your literary rock and roll hall of fame. And they're all over there, this rare aristocracy of super soldiers. And then there's you, this shit muncher, quite apart from all that, performing a degraded and degenerate version of what they did. Like, over in one side of the room is the Royal Philharmonic powering through the fourth movement of Beethoven's Ninth with tumultuous gusto. And here's you, a seagull that swallowed a kazoo. I just want to say, and I truly believe this, there's no difference really between you and anyone who has sat down to write or tell a story. Like, obviously there are some like intrinsic physical differences they lived at a different time maybe they had more tallow in the room um and and some people have definitely been richer as well you know some people have had wives and housekeepers and patrons to take away some of the mundane distractions that eat up our time But also, some people who have sat down to write a story or a poem or whatever have written through chronic pain, severe disability, war, mental illness, plus all the self-doubt, false starts, confusion, groping, tentative acts of daily faith and radical impertinence that together form a novel. You may well suffer or manage some of those things as well. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I understand that. But there are lots and lots of ways that different people have had to write a novel and have managed it. And they all did it. People who've written, you know, quote-unquote masterpieces and people who've written stuff that never got published all did it the same way you have to, one word at a time. And they they didn't know it would work, most of them, you know. They didn't know that their work would find an audience. They weren't fated or blessed or heirs to some special sainted writing bloodline that allowed them to dodge most of the work that we have to do. Now, I am not saying, I am not under the delusion that you listening to me now will definitely achieve the levels of recognition and financial recompense as some of history's most... Celebrated writers. There are so many things to do with luck and market forces, and, and you know, what the payoff of a particular book at a particular time is. You know, whether it speaks to a certain cultural myth that people want to have affirmed in them, whether people use it as a kind of pleasant bromide for whatever heartache they're feeling, whether readers can wield it as an ideological weapon, perhaps, or it confirms their prejudices or articulate some aspect of an identity that they're very invested in. Well, there's loads of reasons why a book can be popular, iconic even, that are unrelated to the effort put in and the talent of the author. And then there's the industry and what gatekeepers pick and all this stuff. And if someone, you know, what I'm saying is basically, I see no reason, no reason at all. And if someone can think of one, please tell me, Because in in decades of doing this, no fucker has managed to come up with an objection that doesn't collapse under the merest of interrogations like an umbrella made of tissue paper in a monsoon. I can't see any reason whatsoever that you shouldn't be capable of achieving the same quality of writing, the same power of storytelling, the same heights of meaning and artistry as your idols. Will it require effort? Naturally. But as we're discovering, there are ways you can position yourself in relation to that effort that make it feel increasingly worthwhile, satisfying and fun. There are also ways of um, you know, undertaking effort that are miserable and will not get you any closer to that goal. Le- learning is, is 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 the game, you know, this is why we're in this, right? The novels that we poo out at the end of the process are kind of like a incidental byproduct, you know, like babies are to sex. When you finish a book, the world that you're writing about sets like molten iron cooling in a mould and, and the game is over. You can't play there anymore. Yeah, cool, other people can read your end state, but in some real sense, the world that you created is no longer alive. For you, at least. The characters have said everything they're going to say. The possibilities have been closed off. They've made their choices. It's kind of melancholic. But your worlds and the stories you want to tell in them, they are just as meaningful as anything any writer has ever written. And and here's a huge advantage you have over, say, a Mr. Charles Dickens. He's dead. He will never write another story. Dickens can't add to his own canon. He can't change or improve one of his stories. He can't react to the modern world at all. He, he, he can't grow. He can't adapt. He can't enjoy writing stories. You can. You have unborn stories waiting inside of you. There are words in there right now. Shall we see what they are? Uh, okay so uh, a 10 minute free write on whatever you like please no just pulling whatever's in your head and and recording it on the page no going back no crossing out we're not trying to write a masterpiece here we're just seeing what's in there what's here today are you ready (sighs) exciting isn't it you sure okay a go And there we are. You're done. Now, if you're some of a somewhat analytical bent, you may glance across the work you just produced and discern a difference in character between these words and the most celebrated works of the Western literary canon. If so, well done. What you've demonstrated there is that as well as courage, the courage to try, the courage to experiment, the courage to make yourself vulnerable, you have discernment. You can evaluate your own work. You can imagine ways in which it could be better. Discernment and critical judgement are essential skills for telling good stories. If you gaze upon your work and consistently find it without defect, then I'm afraid you have some growth ahead of you in terms of training your critical eye. If sometimes you find flaws, congratulations, you're well on your way. What we're trying to do this week, and to an extent across this entire 100-day quest, is not to crush your inner critic, but to train ourselves to adopt that mode, that critical mode, selectively. And to recognise the utility and sometimes temporarily shutting it off. It is not, this isn't just to kind of flatter your ego. It's to allow us to create better with the full force of our powers. You know, only temporarily. You need your judgement. Be grateful for it. Right. The 13th session has passed without catastrophe, dear friend. I hope that was fruitful for you. Uh, see yous tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.